Welcome back into another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Very excited about today's show because we are talking about a kind of theater that's one of my favorites, at least a genre of theater. And I'm very excited to have the guest that we have to tell us about it today. Joining us today, we have the writer, director, and costume designer of the show, Federica Bolenghi, and the performer and producers, Maria Mueller, Georgia Valenti, and Luisa Galati. They are all part of the show that's being presented by Et Alia Theater, Until Dark, which is playing February 15th, through March 3rd at Out of the Box Theatrics. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting eventbrite.com. As I said, this is one of my favorite styles of theater. I should say styles of show, and I'm very excited to bring on our guests to talk more about it. So let's welcome on our guests, Maria, Georgia, Federica, and Luisa. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hola. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about this show. I, I Every time I kept reading the press, the little press release that was sent to me, for some reason, my brain kept inserting the wait in front of it. So I was like, yeah, wait until dark. I love this film. I love this play. Who doesn't love Audrey Hepburn? But then I was like, oh, it's just until dark. And the synopsis, though, I mean, it's right up there in that genre with wait until dark of that like thriller, you know, crime kind of thing. And so... Federica, I think as the writer, director, and costume designer, I think you're the fir- the perfect person to kick us off with telling us what exactly is this show about. Thank you so much for such a lovely introduction. Yes, yeah, so so yes, it's three sisters, and one of them happens to commit a crime, and we follow the other two sisters discovering little by little everything about what was actually com- committed. And we watched them discover in real time that there was more to the allegations that they were told to. So it's a story about sisterhood. It's a story about truly something that I, that I was reflecting on a lot while I was writing this play that I think ended up being what the play is truly about. It's the uh, what happens, like the what happens when you have a lack of exposure and of education. Specifically, the play focuses on the theme of sexual consent which is something that I'm really passionate about. And yeah, so we watched these sisters having to wrap their hand around what it means when a person you know and a person you love commits a crime like that. That sounds so fascinating and such an important topic that has plagued us for so long, but it it deserves to be in the spotlight, especially now more than ever, with so many voices and so many stories being added to the mix. Thank you, that means a lot. Maria, as one of the performers and producers, I'm curious to know, how did you come upon this piece? Yeah, so Italia has a lab. We had it for the first year in 2023, and we selected some plays, three plays for our lab, and Federica's was one of them. And in the context of the lab, we workshop them, we develop them, and then the writers were asked to submit rewrites. And then based upon those rewrites, we chose one play that we were going to produce in the in our next season. And Federica's was the strongest, and we chose that one. And now we are doing the full production after doing also a fundraising event for it in December. And yeah, I'm super excited. So wonderful. Federica, I want to bounce back to you real quick and, and back sec just a little because I want to ask, where did you come up with the idea for this show? 
Mm. <laughs> well, I think for a very long time, I was looking for a story to attach to sisters. I am the second of three sisters, and I've always wanted to try to write that dynamic because it's such a particular one. But I never found a story to explore. And then the Me Too movement exploded, and it was a very difficult time, I think, to digest a lot of things that I was learning about for the first time or that I was that were confronting that were forcing me to look back uh, at experiences that I had unfortunately but also the solidarity that I felt with all the women and men in my life that I had experienced not so great <laughs> but yes I just the solidarity that I experienced with the rising of the Me Too movement just made me think a lot about wanting to write a story about not knowing what sexual consent meant and also I thought that attaching that to sisterhood would be very strong and very important to me especially because I don't think that we talk I've never talked enough about the the morals that go behind it especially when it's somebody you know and I think that we talk a lot about events but we don't talk a lot about how we how to feel about it and what to do about it and so I thought it would be very intimate to focus on the lack of education on sexual consent when it comes to three sisters. Yeah. So I think that everything came little by little. I was thinking about sisters, then the Me Too movement exploded. And then I was like, okay, what happens if the two belong together? That's very fascinating. Georgia, I want to jump to you next on this question. You're also a performer and producer, and we are at this time of recording about a month away from opening the show. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm curious to know, what has it been like developing Until Dark and getting it ready to go up on its feet? Well, I mean, it's been it's been really nothing short of wonderful, but wonderful. It's 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 been truly like one of the biggest acting gifts and producing gifts that I could have gotten. I think since we we first read the play during the lab last year and then, you know, workshopped it, it kind of fit like a glove, you know, both for the company itself, which is the three of us plus another colleague of ours. Her name is Anna Moyoli and she will be an alternate cast, but she couldn't make it with us today. But it, it, it really fit like a glove for our, our mission, who we are as a company and and the story as well. It's just, it entered our own dynamics in a very beautiful and smooth way. From when we started workshopping certain scenes till we sat down and did table work, we got uh, we got very lucky and we, we actually won... Oh God, what was it called? The space that we uh, got from oh, in the space. The West Village the West Rehearsal Village. Co-op. Yes, yeah. the West Village Rehearsal Co-op. So then, you know, we have all, we had all of this like amazing rehearsal time that we spent doing, doing like meticulous table work. And, and then we put it up on its feet. And again, it's just, it flows so easily. It's one of those texts that's been written so well and with so much love and care that truly it everything follows everything else follows as a producer and as a performer it just feels like things fit in while at the same time being able to passionately 
talk about themes that are so relevant to us as young women and to the world, anywhere in the world, to be honest. This is something I can connect to, I can connect about with almost every woman artist in the world. So, unfortunately. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah. So it's it's honestly it's it's been a true pleasure and I am so thankful. <laughs> that I love that I mean it's unfortunate that that's this is a story that that all of you can connect to in, in some way or the other but I love that you all are bring like I said that you're bringing this to the stage and I love the process that you all have been putting forward to do this. This is fascinating. <laughs> Luisa, you are the other voice in this conversation. You're the other producer and performer of the show. And I'm very interested to know what is the message or the thought that you hope audiences take away from the show? Oh, that's, that's such a deep question. I am hoping that people find the power of family and connection and the power of active of listening to each other and 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 being able to try to understand and and be there for each other i think that the beautiful one of the most beautiful parts of federica's writing in this play is the relationship between the three sisters and how they're they're there for each other and all the layers that show up with that because it's not easy it's not simple it's very very complex and I think that being able to do it with sisters because we have our sisterhood amongst each other as a company is it, it's just been really really powerful to explore to explore that and understand the depths of people's actions and where they come from i think and and then obviously like sexual consent i just think that that's that's been brought up and that's the most obvious answer but i think that's that's really such a big deal and i i truly believe in theater as the as the message giver as the as the form a form of giving giving initiating a conversation I think more than a conclusion, it's important to initiate a conversation on all those things and hopefully open up people's hearts to love because I think this plays so much about love. Mm, yeah, and, and I was going to pick you off of that because I think something that we were talking a lot about in rehearsal and something that was brought up a lot by people who read the play or who came to see the reading that we did during the fundraising event last December was that something even though we talk about consent like there's more and more pieces of art that talk about consent and sexual assault and stuff like that I think very few touch on women on women and that's something that Cass my character gets accused of assaulting another woman and I feel like that's not really very common And for Federica to kind of take that on, take on such a big theme and handle it so gently and so delicately without, you know, sending the wrong message, because I do think that it's really hard with these things to really explore them, really explore these themes without sending the wrong message to the audience and just simply posing questions. I think she she does it really well. She handled it really well in her writing and now in her directing, in which Cass's character and all the characters in the play kind of 
pose a lot of questions, don't offer that many answers, or at least I think, you know, the characters find some answers, but then the audience is left with a lot of questions. And I felt like even after our reading during the fundraising event in December, people were talking about in the lobby about uh, things about the play. Like they were just, the conversations were opened, fortunately. And I think that's a very important thing to, that the play does is just, it asks, it asks things and it asks about what it means to have a consensual relationship between two women. And I think that's, that's a, we are very fortunate to be able to tell this story that does, doesn't get told a lot. Amazing, amazing. Can I just, sorry, I'm just gonna add like one little tiny thing. Please, that please, I, yes. Another thing that, that this play touches upon a lot is education on, on sexual consent and the lack of it more so. And the idea that like generationally, right, there has to be some sort of, well, education that passes on through and, and the complexity of how from generation to generation or like from based on like your experience in your, in your, I mean, in your family, right. And like the way that, that love is addressed, the way that affection is addressed, the way that sex is addressed, how all of this influences one's education on consent. I think that's also very important. All really fantastic thoughts to not only take away from the show, but but to be topics of conversation to continue as you leave the theater. So I really love, love that this is what you're pushing with this piece. My final question for the this first part of the interview, I want to direct to you, Federica, again, as the writer and director of the show. I want to know, who do you hope have access to this show? Two things come to mind. I think that the first one is anybody that could relate in any type of way to this story and anyone who could feel validated by this story. I think that's something that was incredibly hard for me growing up and what I had to be confronted by very intensely by the rising of Me Too movement was that the fact that I didn't have words or I didn't even have the knowledge or the ability to even explain things that I witnessed or that I lived and receiving that validation of being told that's not okay was so profoundly life-changing not to say that that's what my play offers but if there's anybody that had to go through that and can feel some sort of validation by for things that they've experienced or for people they know that have experienced anything similar that would be such a reward as a writer to know that somebody that if my writer makes feel anybody validating validated uh, in their experience I think that then I want a jackpot as a writer, I always think. And then for anybody that never never thought or never considered that if we don't address trauma or if we don't understand the reason why people do things and we don't help them and educate them, then there can't be any progress, really. So if anything, I think I would love to, if I can touch, if this if this piece can also reach people that didn't consider this part two, then I'd be very happy as a writer. 
second part of our interview, we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I want to start by asking our perennial question, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And Maria, can I direct that question first to you? Sure. Yes, actually. Well, I have a very long list of of, of various artists that inspire me in different ways. I think I find a lot of inspiration in music, find a lot of inspiration in comedy, which is funny because I think I don't I don't do that much comedy, but I do think there's something about comedians and like comedic actors that teach me a lot about sure comedy but also just what i do as an actor and what's important to me as an artist and my mission for example i really i really like and enjoy trevor noah and hassan minaj those are two comedians that do a lot of shows that about themes that i really enjoy and the the type of art that i want to make and i think for example patriot act hassan minaj's patriot act is super political and i think that's something that i'm interested in because I mean, we know this, but like all theater is political, whether you agree with that or not. I think I agree with that for sure. And I think all the art that I want to make will be that. And so to me, to see that being done well and in a funny way, that's just artistry. And I find that very inspiring. And then in terms of music, I do really like Leon Bridges. He inspires me a lot in his lyrics. I find a lot of, I just feel very held by his music. I'll put it that way. Mm. And it's funny because I'm an actor, but I haven't mentioned any actor so far. But I do really like Meryl Streep's work. I know she's a big obvious one, but, you know, <laughs> she she's a big obvious one for a reason. So I will put her there. I will. She's one of the reasons why I started acting very, very young. I saw Out of Africa and I was like, mm, yep, that's... Um, that's um, what I want to do. And I think a lot of her roles throughout time spoke to me in many ways and her ability to just change. And, and uh, you know, she's she truly has a gift for being a different person in every film. And that's something I aspire to be. So I'm going to leave it at that for now. But I have many more sources of inspiration. And yeah, these are just the tip of the iceberg. That's a wonderful list. Any list with Meryl Streep is a wonderful list. <laughs> <laughs> Louisa, how about you? Who inspires you? I guess there's so many, <laughs> so many things on this list, but I'm going to try to be quick. I actually share this moment with Maria. We both watched Capernaum by Nadine Labaki together for the first time and I I can say that that movie absolutely changed my life even just talking about it makes me emotional I I just truly believe in in film as a form of of spreading the word communicating different realities and I think she does it in such a genius way the way that she she put that movie together and how she's speaking about the truth of that of those people and those children it's just amazing so Nadine Labaki is a major influence to me I follow her work and and love her work and and she's from Lebanon she's she's from a a a different country than the U.S. and I think that's so important because sometimes 
we feel as foreign artists, as international artists, that we kind of need to be attached to to the the big industry that's taking over the world, the Hollywood industry, the American industry. And I truly admire those who are who are making it a point at like staying at their home countries and and telling the stories from their countries. And I think she's doing that beautifully. And as an acting inspiration for me has been for years now, Florence Pugh. And I think now she's, she's really getting to the top, but I think she's not only for her beautiful acting and performances. I think that the movie choices that she makes is like, I'm, I'm always, I always kind of agree with her, with what she's doing and I think the the way that she presents herself to the world the things that she advocates for and I think she's just a huge inspiration as a person to me as well so I'm gonna leave it as that those two names (laughs) I love that inspiration list though that's beautiful well put Georgia, I want to start this next question with you. And the question is, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? To be honest, it it's like get when I when I do work in the theater, which you know, it, you know, we we want to be able to get so lucky that we're doing that many times, but it's not that often. It's the fact that like I wake up in the morning and I'm like can't wait to go. <laughs> I can't wait to go to the theater. And like currently I'm working in a production and I'm, I'm not even acting in it, you know, but just stepping into the theater, even to just like prep the the space and, and be there with the actors and, and welcome the audience. Like it's, it's truly just a magical, magical environment. I like the fact that it makes me feel a bit like a child. Because I, when I was a kid, like I used to play by myself and literally like make up these conversations with my, I don't know, whoever was there in my imagination. And it's kind of what it feels like sometimes. I'm able to like bring that back and play completely with like imaginary circumstances in real time in like palpable ways. And and that's purely like a gift. I also love the teamwork kind. So I love getting to know different artists and really getting like intimate with them in a in you know obviously in a professional way in like in a professional environment just understanding their own way of working and and how to get to the vulnerable places that we need to get to in 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 order to storytell in the theater. That is such a super answer. I love that. You got to love good teamwork. That's a great one. Federica, if you'll close us out on this question, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? I really see theater as sometimes a mirror onto like uh, society onto in different ways. So the idea of communally getting to represent a slice of life or a representation of society of a mo- or of a moment in time communally and really try to collaborate tightly with a team so that people can walk into a dark space and there can be lights and fake props and fake things but for an hour or two 
it's make-believe and we're transported magically somewhere else while watching people in a black room and forget that they're in a black room doing that and doing that over and over and over and over again and create a process and build a process together is very addicting and fantastic. I think that also, I really adore that because of that. I think that I, that I, I worked a lot in film growing up adore working for film but there was always working to to achieve a goal and there's something about theater that it's not that because it's truly about the process it's about doing a show over and over again you don't film the film and then you see it and then it's the same thing over and over again it's building up together communally to something that it's going to be magical and different every single night yeah and I just adore that that is so wonderful. I love the two different answers we got on that one. That's great. And now we've arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I can't wait to hear all of yours. This is a question for all of you. And that is, what is your favorite theater memory? I mean, it's a very complex answer. I can't, I can't just give it like, bam. But I, I've been telling this story a lot recently because it's been very vivid. But in 2016, I visited New York for the first time before I moved here. And I moved here in 2020. And I I watched a, like several shows, but three of them it were... I watched Chicago and that was... I had just directed Chicago in school. So it was really cool to watch that. And like having just experienced that play. And then two, I watched White Rabbit, Red Rabbit by Nassim Suleimanpour. And I loved it. And I started dreaming about producing it. And four years later, in 2021, five years later, I was able to produce it with Italia for then three years in a row on and Let There Be Theater, a call to action on March 13th, which was a a global event organized by Oronova. And the last experience at last uh, play that I watched was Sleep No More, which absolutely changed my my view in theater and 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 it really made me commit to wanting to create immersive experiences as well i really love immersive theater and right now i am working with immersive their production company so it's just like that that emblematic visit to new york kind of set myself up for the future and and i think yeah that's that was the power of receiving the theater that I love and then making it. <laughs> so that was really cool. I love, love that answer. Immersive theater has definitely risen up on my list of like experiences that I'm all about. It's so amazing. And I'm so glad that the last thing you got to see recently was Sleep No More, B, especially with the closing. I've heard it was such a great show. So that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who would like to go next? I have one about, actually, it's a really funny memory. It was, it was a show that I was in. So I think that was very noble of you, Lou, to say things that you watched. I'm just going to go straight for the things that I was in. And actually, it was with Italia. It was at the beginning of our journey together. And it was a play that I wrote called On How to Be a Monster. 
And Federica was, it was the first time that Federica and I worked together and she directed it. And that play, I mean, it was so fun. It was so cool. However, it was, we were at the very beginning. We didn't have any money. We were rehearsing in the hallways of NYU. <laughs> Don't tell them that. Why you hear this? We didn't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> and then the show, we, we did it at the tank and it was, it was February 20th something, right? 2020, 2020. So that means a few, like the month before the, the pandemic started or the pen, or really lockdown, not the pandemic. Pandemic started earlier. And then the show was an incredible experience, but I remember this one night in which everything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had one of the actors, it was a pretty big cast. It was eight people that were constantly on stage. I guess the full cast was nine people, but then eight of them were constantly on stage. And we had a bunch of cues that were supposed to go off of each other. And there was a table that was pretty shabby. And one of the actors had to to punch it a bunch of times and it would always fall. And then there was a, a there was a problem with all of our glasses and there was a problem with this and that. It was just one after the other. We couldn't get out from under of just technical difficulties. A lot of things happen, props falling over, tripping, anything you could think of that could go wrong went wrong. And I remember at the end of that, we kind of, I don't know, really held it. It was a really good and fun cast and it was a really fun play. Not that I wrote it, but it was a really fun play. (laughs) And and I think there was something about that performance that I felt like we were really lifting each other up and not letting each other fall. So one of us, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. that Martin, our friend who was supposed to, to punch the table really hard and that the table was was shabby was holding the table without the audience seeing him and you know just really small things like that that make theater what to Federica's point earlier that make theater what it is when film you know you just do another take no one will ever know that the table broke and ha 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 you laugh but then that never makes it to the film whereas in theater that's it that's the moment you know you have to deal with it in the moment and it felt so good and like that was one of the first few moments in which I felt community on stage. I felt like these people have my back and it felt good. And despite all those difficulties or maybe thanks to them, because I always feel like during shows when there's technical difficulties, those are the best acting shows because you're so in the moment and you have to make sure that you're in it no matter what. I felt like at the end of that show, I was like, wow, that was a really great performance and I wouldn't have it any other way. So mm-hmm. I, I still remember that and go back to that whenever, uh, whenever I, I know, you know, I get caught up in, in, oh, this didn't go well and this fell and blah. And I'm like, no, you know, that doesn't matter. It's, it's magic. And that's what I love about it. Yes. I love that. Even with the world falling apart around you, it can be such a memorable moment. And of course, like you said, that is the beauty of live theater. That is the beauty of it. <laughs> I love that memory, though. Thank you so much for sharing that. Who would like to go next? Okay, I, I got it. I picked one. I picked one. The very first time that I presented a play of mine in New York was at the end of my freshman year of college. And I had written and directed this, I call it like an impressionistic play, in which characters are have a color a primary color assigned to them and throughout the entire play they had to like had like paint stations where they would refill at so that you could see what the impact that they left on each other as the play and on the space around them as the play went on 
So the idea is that at the beginning of the play, the entire set is like immaculate, but by the end of it, there's paint everywhere. And there's paint on all the actors. And we had a dress rehearsal that was disastrous. It was terrible. Like the, and I had to interrupt the actors midway through. And they were really stressed out because because of the our budget. They didn't get to run the show many times with paint, which if you think about it, it's wild. It'd be in the like premises of the whole thing. So dress rehearsal, first time they're using paint. I interrupt the run and told them that we couldn't finish the, sh the show. They got super upset, fairly, and they were like, we need to schedule another dress rehearsal. Oh my God, we didn't use paint. This changes everything. It's overwhelming. Also, me being a very inexperienced director, they're talking to me and I'm like, right, they need to do it with paint like 50 times and they didn't think about it. But everybody storms out of the theater, super upset. I'm like freaking out because like I am opening my play in like two days. It's the first time that I presented something ever written and directed by me in front of an audience. And my stage manager looks at me because we had to clean up. That was the end, the thing at the end of every run. Because of course we didn't have a crew. So we would clean the entire thing to do the show the next day. And I started cleaning up and I was so overwhelmed. I was like upset. I was like, what am I doing with paint? Oh my God. And then my stage manager looks at me and she has a, in her hand is dripping with blue paint. And she just goes like on my face. <laughs> and, and so I just like slammed my hand in a bucket full of yellow paint and I just did it on her face and we just threw paint all over each other we threw paint everywhere and just started laughing and crying hysterically <laughs> and then when we finished we were like sitting on the floor we were just like ah okay now we clean up and it took us about <laughs> like two hours to clean up the entire place maybe two hours and then we went to Vasalka and we had pierogies at like 3 a.m in the morning and then we went to bed and we had rehearsals at 9 a.m so <laughs> that must be my favorite <laughs> one of my favorites and I love that it was the first show that I directed and produced mm. I love that, that that feels like a scene from a movie you know when they go like they're so overwhelmed and then they play with each other and it's like ha 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 and it turns light and nice and you feel like oh that would never happen in real life and then that that thing I know <laughs> like I should have asked the university because it was in a university classroom I was like I should have asked them for like footage if there was like cameras or anything because it probably looks insane that is a fantastic memory thank you so much for sharing that well, Georgia, I think you are the last one. We'll wrap us up with this question. Yes. Okay. Well, I thought about it a lot, obviously. And I think that I recently saw something. So I'm just going to go, go ahead with that. I, yeah, I thought about it too much. So I'm just going to go with like the first <laughs> thing that pops up because it's the most recent. But basically I am right now I'm, I'm involved in a show at here art center. And above us, there is this, this other show that's part of the prototype festival. And it's, it's like a concert. It's like a, a concert slash monologue. So it's this woman from the Netherlands. The, the show's name is Promise. And I remember they start right after us, right? So, and like, they want to do their sound, uh, their sound 
a rehearsal, right? Like right as we finish, but many times we finish a little late. So at the end of our play, they start like doing their rehearsals oh, and they God. totally ruin the end of our play. So I was really, I was like, these people, and then they offered us comps to their show. And it was, it was just such an inspiring and moving show it talks about the choice uh, as a woman, the choice to not have children. And it's basically a whole show of her songs, but they're done in song slash monologue style with like live musicians and so dynamic, so beautiful, so raw, so honest. And to just bring it back to, you know, womanhood, this woman is just so unapologetically raw to the point where like I had a moment in the show, a moment of like realization where I like looked at her in these like headlights, like acting, screaming, shaking, singing, and like really looking at the audience like face to face, you know, like fearlessly. And I looked at her, I don't remember what the song was about, but but I looked at her and I was like, I, I was like, I'm okay with aging. like. I feel like for women, it's mm. like you, you, we age and there's so much pressure on that. There's so much like you have to accept your body as it ages. And there are so many, there are so many ways of avoiding that, right. With like modern surgery or, but, but this woman, I probably in her mid forties and she was so strong, <laughs> like an athlete, you know? And she was just talking about how she accepted herself for who she is. And suddenly I was like, I honestly can't wait for my body to age and see how much more beautiful I can get. And it, wow. I, felt inspired. Yeah, wow. I felt very, very inspired. So then the next day I went up to her and I was like, listen, can you please start rehearsal just 10 minutes later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she, yeah, she definitely saw me crying during her show. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh my goodness. What an incredible memory. What a moving show. In fact, what incredible memories across the board from all of you. Thank you so, so much for sharing those. I appreciate those. I want to wrap things up by asking two last questions. The first is, do any of you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Maria. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It's a very exciting time in a, an actor's life where projects overlap. So I'm doing, apart from this show, Until Dark, I'm doing another show called Plasters, which is happening literally the week before we open at the Flea Theater. So we open on the 8th, and then we have a show on the 8th, the 9th, two shows on the 10th, and then a matinee on the 11th. So it's, it's a play written by Emma Tadmor, and it's just me, one other actor, Rupert Fennessy, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story, very heartfelt, teaches us a lot about love, I think, and about relationships, and I would love to, for people to come see it. Yes, sounds incredible. I love it. Well, with that, then I will ask my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Until Dark 
or about any of you perhaps who'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, I think you can go to our website, which is www.italiatheater.com or our Instagram, Italia Theater. And you can check the spelling of Italia Theater, probably whatever podcast, podcast platform. I'm not going to spell it because that's too much time. <laughs> and all of our personal Instagrams are always tagged within the next, the first three posts on Italia's Instagram. So yes. <laughs> It will not be hard to find us. Don't you worry. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Maria, Georgia, Federica, and Luisa, thank you all so, so much for taking the time today to stop by, to share some of your amazing stories and insight, and most importantly, for sharing this incredible new show, Until Dark. I cannot wait to see it. It sounds absolutely incredible absolutely incredible and you should all be proud about the amazing work you're doing with the show so thank you all so much thank, thank you, you so much. much for having us thank you thank you're you. fantastic thank you my guests today have been the writer director and costume designer federica borlenghi and the performers and producers maria mueller Georgia Valenti, and Luisa Galati. They're all part of Et Ali Theater's presentation of Until Dark, playing February 15th through March 3rd at Out of the Box Theatrics. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting eventbrite.com or check out their website, etalitheater.com or their Instagram etalitheater. We're going to have all of this information, as I said, posted on our episode description or on our social media posts. This is a great way to stay on top of this wonderful organization and all the great things they do. You're going to want to keep your tabs on these wonderful artists. They are doing some great stuff as well. But make sure you join us in getting your tickets for the incredible show Until Dark, playing February 15th through March third. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. And the stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.